All right, if you have a Bible, uh, turn to Galatians chapter 2, and that's where we're going to be. Um, and uh, we doing good today? Yeah? Awesome. So um, in, in our, uh, our time together today, uh, I, I, it, it's kind of funny to me to, to stand outside knowing what, what's, what's going to happen, um, and, and hear me on this, uh, knowing what's going to happen, what we're going to talk about today, and, and I uh, uh, had some... Uh, concerns and, and some thoughts that I had with the elders and listening to um, the elders and trying to prepare the sheep. Uh, each one of them that, that said something today uh, made a little bit, of, maybe they didn't do it um, consciously, but even a little bit uh, hinted to that like, there's going to be a little, bit of, a little bit of friction today. There's going to be a little tension today in, in the, the, the service, in the sermon. Um, and it's just interesting to me that, to, uh, to see that their, their love, and I'm sure that if uh, Chuckles was up here and said something, he would have said, you know, uh, said something along the same lines as well. Um, but it's, it's interesting to me to, to see their love and their concern for you as the, as the flock and trying to prepare you just a little bit to be, you know, make, make sure your, your, your ears and your eyes and your hearts are open and make sure you understand that, that, that you are a child of God and make sure that, that you know, all of these things that, that come in um, are, are just, uh, they're very, I guess comforting is, is a good word. To, to, to me to see that you have shepherds that care so much for you. Uh, really, I'll, I'll go this, to this extent. I think that you, you have shepherds that care uh, more for you than you know. Um, so uh, just uh, keep that in mind. Um, so when, and I say that not to you should put them up on a pedestal. No, no, no. You don't put uh, the elders in the church up on a pedestal. I'm not saying that. But they care so much about you as when you are going through a tough time. They, they want to help you, you, you through that. So just keep that in mind. Um, and keep in mind that when you have questions and concerns, and you know what, I wanted to throw a rock at Pastor today. Um, they, they, they have their own rocks as well. Um, but you can go to them and, and talk to, to them as well. So, um, you know, with that, it, it's, we're, we're looking at this conversation that took place between um, uh, Paul and, and Peter. So if you're, you're in Galatians chapter 2, uh, just to bring us up to speed a little bit, re- remember that, um, uh, that, that, that it says, oh, I should have turned there before, I hate when I do that, tell everybody else to do something, then I don't do it myself. Practice what you preach, I know, I get you, I hear you. Um, in, in Galatians chapter 2, we, in verse, uh, we started in verse 11 last week, and we talked about how uh, when, when uh, Cephas, who is Peter, came up to Antioch, he started acting hypocritically. And, and the reason he acted hypocritically, and we talked last week, was because of the fear of man. Um, and, and this fear, it, it didn't just affect um, Peter. It says it affected Barnabas and the other Jews that were around there as well. So we, we talked about that, that when Paul comes, he says that he confronts Peter to his face. Um, anybody that has a, a confrontation, I shouldn't say anybody, most people who are confronted to their face about something that they're doing wrong um, just loves to take it, Right? No, no. most people, if not all people, when you're confronted to your face with something that you have done wrong, you don't like it. That's a tense time, right? There's a little bit of uncomfortableness. Because a a lot of times, we know that we've done something wrong, and we just don't like that other people know that we've done something wrong. Because sometimes what we do is we think that, well, maybe I can just get away with it. Well, no. 
I'll give you this. This, is, this one's for free. Um, no sin, no, no thing, no thing that you ever do wrong. And when I say wrong, I'm not saying like you make a mistake. I'm saying that you sin. No sin is going to go unseen. At one point or another, it will be revealed. It's not my words. Those are the words from Scripture. Understand, and Jesus is the one that says that all sin will be revealed in some time. So I look at that and understand, okay, if I'm in sin, I would, I would want someone who I trust to be able to come to me and say, hey, idiot, you messed this up and you did this wrong and this is, this, is, this is not right. I would want someone to do that. But also, I would want that someone who came to do that to be one who I had a bridge with, right? I would be more receptive. And that is what's going on here. Paul and Peter, they have a bridge. And when Paul comes to Peter, it's not as if they've never met each other. They have a, a bridge that has been built. So when Paul comes to Peter, Peter is able to receive what it is that Paul says. Even though he might not like it, he's able to receive it um, as, as the truth. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us nowhere what what Peter's response to um, this is. You can kind of get some glimpses of, of maybe what it, it, it might have been um, by some of what Peter writes about in, in uh, the, the epistles that he writes, particularly in 2 Peter chapter 3, you can get a little, maybe a little bit of insight. But regardless, we don't know how Peter reacted to it. But what we do know is that there was a, a, a bridge that was uh, built so that a confrontation really could take place. I, I say that a little bit um, with the, in mind the um, the bridge in which I, I hope that we have built with you know between the elders and the sheep as well, uh, because there are some times that, that um, and, and we've said here recently that we need to, to amp up and ramp up our, our, our engagement a little bit more because there are things that we can see and, and please remember we're not we're not judgmental we're fruit inspectors uh, um, but there are things that we are seeing and we we we're starting to see even more and 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 every single person here has something that needs to be addressed what we want to do is when when we come to you and and, and say that hey we're seeing this or i've seen this please don't, be, don't take the response in, in a defensive, or don't take the defensive posture. I, my, my plea to you is, is take that, take whatever it is that comes, and I'm, I can only speak for the elders in here. Take that which comes from the elders as a, I love you, and I want what's best for you. Because I spend buku hours with these dudes. And understand, and I, I think that I have a, a good grasp on, on their heart. I don't, I'm not God or anything, but you, when you spend time and you can hear what, what the concerns are, I, I'm confident that if, say, if Jake come up to me and said, hey, so-and-so, I see this, and we need to uh, address this with them, I would not, my, my mind would not go, well, that's just because you're mad at them. No, my, my heart would go, all right, if that's what you see, and I know that, that you have their best interest in mind, that you want to confront them, because you want to uh, tell them the truth, teach them the truth. And that's what Paul did with, with Peter here. Because it says that he, uh, when, when he came to, to uh, Peter, he says he confronted him with the, the truth that, that, that Peter wasn't lining up with the gospel in which he was supposed to be preaching. Now, when we say that, that's a distortion of the gospel. And when we, we see this, this text here uh, that we looked at last week, um, if you look, everybody look in, in your Bibles with me. And um, if, you, if you look at the end of verse 14. 
You notice that there, there are some, some uh, um, quotation marks, right? At the end of verse 14. Understand with me, and I know this is a nerd moment, but I have to do this. If not, I'll go crazy. Understand that punctuation was not present in the original autographs, in, in the original writing. So punctuation was, was put forth as translations happen. So as translations happen, and, and there are no inspired translations, I don't care, we'll fight later about it, well, this is and this isn't, no, 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 no. God preserves his word, yes, I 100% fully believe that. But there are, there are some times where man makes mistakes. Now, I'm not saying this is a mistake, I'm just saying under what, 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 I, what I believe in, the study in which I've done, I think the, the quotation marks are in the wrong spot. Well, what does it matter, Lee, get on with it? Uh, some of you don't care, I get it. What I think is these quotation marks should go all the way down to the end of verse 21. What's the big deal, Lee? The reason is because I think this is part of the conversation in which Paul is having with Peter. It's not as if the, the verses 1 through 14 was the, the, the conversation and then he moves on from there. I think that this whole conversation is, is one. This whole part of Scripture is one uh, long conversation. So with that, I want us to have that mindset when we enter into these next few verses here. Because I think that it helps frame what, what it is we're going to, be, going to be talking about today. And I, under, I, I think that as we... Um, better grasp the, the understanding that there was a, a tough talk that was happening. And that's what, 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 it, what, what it was. It was a tough talk between Paul and, and Peter. Um, when we understand that there's a little bit of tough talk that is happening, I think that there are some, some quite clear extremes that Paul says here, and I think that that's going to help us better understand the statement in which I'm going to make that you're, some of you are going to want to throw your chairs at me. We ready? I don't, hey man, I don't care. I, I've been ducking and weaving and dodging, right? So I'm ready. That's all right. I, I'm, I wouldn't make the statement if I didn't think it was true either. So let's look at this. Verse 15. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Okay, that, that for me is one of the, the connecting pieces right there. That, that little two-letter word, we... When Paul, the connecting piece for me to say that this is part of the conversation that was already taking place. Because what Paul is doing is he's identifying with Peter and he's saying, okay, we here. He's putting himself in this, this bunch. He's saying that, he says, we ourselves are Jews by birth. We, we know that to be true. We know that, that, that Paul and we know that Peter are Jews by birth. So he's, he's stepping, I, I like to, to, to look at this, like he's stepping into the situation here. He's not on just on the outside and pointing fingers and going like this. He's actually stepping into the situation and he's helping to give clarity here. He says, we ourselves are Jews by birth, not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have, excuse me, so we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. All right, there, here's our, our first uh, point I want to make, or first section we're going to look at. We're going to talk about one of those big words, one of those big Asian words that I like. The, the Asian word, and remember, Asian is just meaning the act of uh, something. So the, the, the word we want, I want to talk about just... Uh, Briefly, but enough that you can understand, is justification. 
justification. Remember, when we talk big words, big words have big meanings, right? This word justification, if you were to look back in church history, um, there would be uh, um, uh, men who would have died, who did die, for this doctrine and for this teaching of justification by faith alone. Anybody here heard of, of Martin Luther, the great reformer? Not Martin Luther King Jr., but Martin Luther. John Calvin, another one, great reformer. Both Martin Luther and John Calvin, they, they, they looked to the doctrine of justification. And, and Martin Luther even said this. He said that justification by faith alone is the doctrine upon which the church stands or falls. Why would he say something like that? Well, remember what was going on during the time of the Reformation, but also let's remember what's going on here in in the book of Galatians. The the, the doctrine of justification by faith alone. Not adding anything to faith in Jesus Christ. It's faith in in Jesus Christ alone that justifies. If, If a church does not believe... And this is not the statement, but you can put it up here with it. If a church does not believe that justification is by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone for His glory alone, that's not a church. Alright? That is because the Bible clearly teaches us it's by faith alone in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ alone is where faith is. What we have here is uh, this justification. What is justification? Because some will sit here and go like, yes, I I believe that. Justification by faith alone. And then they're thinking, what exactly is justification? I'm glad you thought that because I'm a mind reader today, right? No, my my wife wishes I was a mind reader. A A lot more would get done. Oh, no? You and I need to talk. Yeah, no, right? We're going to lay down the law. No. Hey, be praying for me because i got to be with this woman for the next few days. Uh, well, we are, for all, all seriously, we're leaving for Panama. We're leaving for Panama on Wednesday. Um, so we stand, don't, yeah, I'll, I'll sit in the middle. She'll sit by the window. Um, but uh, we're leaving for Panama on Wednesday. My, my dad's going to be staying with the, the, the kids and everything. So pray for dad. Right? Pray for dad. And, and, and um, well, yeah, Matt Clean. Yeah, we're, we're, we're dispersing some of the kids. So Matt Clean's going to have Gabe, right? But anyhow, yeah, pray for us on our trip. We're going, on, uh, go, going down there for a few days uh, to set up our, our trip for July. We're meeting with the uh, missionary and looking at the works and what you're doing and they're getting ready to do and all that stuff. Um, so uh, there was something else I wanted to, to say about that, but it just evaded me. Um, what? Oh, yeah, 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 the baby. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, or not the baby, the daughter. Uh, the, the, actually, the missionary's daughter actually got attacked by their dog, which I'm going to have a nice talk with Raphael because uh, i tell you how to solve that. But anywho, <laughs> mm, that, uh, we won't go there. That is not the statement, again, that you're going to throw rocks at me. Let's talk about justification. Let's get back. Let's get back on track. What is justification? When we're talking about justification by faith alone, we can see that, that, that the object here of justification, the, 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 the how it, it takes place is by faith alone, but we need to know what it means to be justified. So justification, and I'll give you two definitions. I'm going to give you the definition, then I'm going to give you a statement that somebody said about the definition because I think it helps a little bit. But justification 
is the declaration of being righteous before God as the judge. That's all it is. It's It's the declaration that God looks at you because you put your faith in Jesus Christ, and he, sa- and he says, like, like, like what Dan just uh, pointed out, he says, mine. And the only way he can say mine is because you stand before him, before his throne righteously. You then, you, as a justification, is that declaration where by the blood of Jesus, by your faith in Jesus Christ, the Father looks down on the sinful, nasty, ugly individual in which you are and says, justified, righteous. Some of you are like, okay. I don't know, but that makes me happy because I know that there's nothing in and of myself that makes God say, ooh, I want him on my team. This act is by God and God alone, and it's a gracious act. God's gracious act of of, of saying that Jake is righteous because we all know Jake can't make his way there by himself, right? Right? I love what David Platt says, how he, how he explains justification. He says, justification is the gracious act of God by which God declares a sinner righteous solely through faith in Jesus Christ. So, so understand that let, that. let that sink in a little bit. That, that, um, that, that justification alone... Or I should say, justification is, is, is only by faith in, in, in Jesus Christ alone. If for some of you nerds in here, if you're thinking about um, uh, the, the, the five solas that, that come from, I said the Reformation, so some of you are thinking, oh, the Reformation, the five solas. You know, uh, in the five solas, three of the five solas we can see in this scripture, that is by faith alone through grace alone, or by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. Understanding that, that, that there is no other way in which we can stand righteous before the Father outside of, the, of faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what, what is being communicated here in this text. Because remember, what is, what, what is Peter doing? What has Peter done? Peter has come in here and he's saying, well, wait a second, we've got to separate because there's the Gentiles and there's the Jews. There's this class of Christians, and there's the other class of Christians. He, and, and what Paul is, is coming in here and saying, but hey, listen, dude, remember, we're not justified by works. The reason that you split these up, these up because these are Jews and they're following the, 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 the law of Moses, and these are Gentiles and they're not following the law of Moses, the law of Moses does not save us. We're justified not by works, we're justified by faith in Christ and faith in Christ alone. Hold your finger here and go with me to... A, um, let's go to, to Hebrews 11 first. Because when we talk about justification, that it is in, it, it, by faith in Christ alone, we talked what justification is. It's that, that legal standing, that declaration. But I think it's also, anytime we talk about um, the faith in, in this sense, we need a clear definition of what faith is. Because a lot of people have faith. I have faith in the Browns. No, you don't. You don't. I'm telling you. You're deceived. What is faith? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, meaning by faith, for by it faith, 
The people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of, out of, what, or out of things that are visible. Now, let me ask you this. Was anybody here when, when creation happened? So they're, they're, don't look at Marlon. <laughs> Other than maybe Marlon was, was looking in right now. But understand that he, the, the, the writer here is using creation as, as an example that things, that creation happened out of things that were unseen. But everything that is visible came from that which was, was invisible, that it did not, um, did, did not uh, uh, exist. So understanding here that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. When we're looking, we're talking about uh, justification by faith alone. We have to understand that the faith in which we have is that, that assurance, but it's not just the feeling of faith that matters, right? Or even the thought or the cognition of, of faith that matters. It's the object of faith that is pivotal justification by faith alone in Christ alone. And, and, and understand that, I mean, because as, as Paul is talking here to, um, to, to Peter, it's not that Peter did not know this. If you do any type of, of reading on your own in the book of Acts, you, you would see that Peter already had an encounter with some Gentiles, already shared this good news with some Gentiles, and they received the Holy Spirit, and, and they were welcomed into the family of God. What is going on here in, in, in Antioch with, with Peter here is, I, I think it's just one of those, those things that we can take comfort in that, even the, the ones that, that, that are, are looked at as most spiritual can have hiccups sometimes. All the more reason why we need those around us that we have bridges with that can say, hey dude, you messed up. That's not right. Or hey sister, you need to look at that again. Or you don't need to do that. or you don't, Whatever it may be, we need to have those bridges. And that's what's taking place here. So what Paul is doing to, um, to Peter here is he's reminding him of the, these things. And he's reminding him of what justification by faith alone and Christ alone looks like. Now, as we go on, there, there's a couple verses here, verses uh, 17 and 18, um, which... Uh, Let's read. It says, but if in our endeavor, so he's talking to, to, to Peter, and he's like, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, so remember, he, he, right there, he's, he's bringing it up that we're only justified in Christ, but he says, but if in our endeavor to be justified by Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a, a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. What, basically what he is saying here is that the thought process was, or the perceived thought process of Peter here was, well, the reason he separated them was we want to make sure, because there was this group that were from the Pharisees, they were believers, they come, and they want us to do, you know, abide by the law. And what, You know, it's not a bad idea if we do abide by the law, because it'll keep us from sinning. And Paul is saying, what, but what you're doing there is you're saying that if, if, if someone is saved um, and, and, and then sins, that, that Christ is a servant of sin. He's like, no. What you're doing is you're trying to go back to the way in which you're working for your salvation, and it doesn't work. You can't go back there. Look, look at how he goes on in verse 19. 
For through the law, I died to the law. So he's saying you can't go back there because there's no life in the law. You go back, there's no life in trying to work your way into God's righteousness. So he says, For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I, I, I love this because we, we understand that there is no, uh, you, you, that you cannot be made alive through the law or any works. Any works at all, you cannot be made alive through. You can only be made alive through a supernatural gift from God. And, and this is what he's saying here. He's saying that death has to happen so that you can be made alive. How crazy does that sound? We talked in, in the Forge this morning that Christianity is one of the most nonsensical things ever to be developed, or I shouldn't even say developed, ever to be present in, in human history. Again, that's not the statement in which you're going to throw rock to me. It is. If you think about it, it's nonsensical. Why would a righteous, loving God who has everything that doesn't need anything step off the throne and come down and spend time where he's going to get spit on and, and eventually killed so that he can have back what's already his? It just doesn't make sense. But what we see here is that Paul is stressing, like, you're not going to make it so God wants you. I hope that that's a, 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 freedom, a freedom fighter in your, your life right now. It's like, your performance, like God's not impressed with any of your performance. God doesn't, doesn't measure you, and I actually put here that God's pleasure in you is not based upon your performance for Him. Instead, God's pleasure in you is based on Christ's performance for you. Now, as we look at that, we're like, oh, whoo! Good, I, I'm alleviated from all, all of the, the responsibility. <clears throat> no, you're not. Because this is where it's going to get a little bit dicey. Are we ready? Big girl, big boy pants on? Let's look. Verse 20. Love this verse. This verse, if you do not have this verse memorized, this is one of those verses that you need to put on an index card, you need to carry it around in your pocket until you have it memorized. Because there is so much power, there is so much weight, there is so much truth that can be drawn from this verse, and we're going to see that here in a minute, that, it, that will change your life. Not because they're special words, but because they're God's words. Look at verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. Alright, remember, okay, again, remember the context here. Peter is standing there, Paul is in his face. Stand up for a second. You. What's your name? Jimmy. Jimmy. So Peter. Paul. Right? Peter. Right? He's standing there. So imagine this conversation as if Paul is standing there. And he probably does have hand motions and everything. He was animated. He's standing there as he's having this conversation. All right, you can sit down. He was beard. Yeah, he had the beard, right? Well, I didn't want to spit on him as I read this, so... You're, you're welcome. So, so think about that, 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 that he's, he's standing there because he's already said, you know, we're, we're Jews. We, we, we are only justified uh, by, by faith in Christ alone. And then he goes on and he says this statement. And I, I believe that this statement is, is a statement to, to help remind Peter, but it's also identifying, uh, identifying who Paul is here. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live 
But it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Think about, just, just think about the impact of that verse when you're looking at, um, the, or you're looking at this situation that has taken place. The situation that has taken place is, 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 is a, a, a friend is addressing another friend who has fallen. He's fallen into some, 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 some different, you know, some, some difficult times. And I don't want to say his faith was shaken. I'll, I'll say this. Peter had right beliefs, but wrong actions at the time. And Paul is coming up to him and he's saying, I have been crucified with Christ. Peter, don't you remember? Don't you remember what you were there? You saw this all take place. I, I have been crucified with Christ. You have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer that it's me that lives, but it's Christ that lives inside me. Don't you remember that? How in the world can you go against the gospel by, by saying that there's different classes and by being a hypocrite and, and by fearing man when you witnessed the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ? You witnessed the ascension into heaven. You witnessed, this is after Pentecost, you witnessed the falling of the Holy Spirit you got to remember all this. you got to let that, 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 that sink into to your head here. He says that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And, and I, I love that. That's what, 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 uh, what we were talking about. Or, uh, uh, Kurt said that, and then we're talking about I am a child of God. It, it, it's, it's Christ that, that is in me. In Ephesians, it, it talks about that we're in Christ, but it's not as if we're in a building. We're in Christ because Christ has taken up residence inside of us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if Christ has taken up residence in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, this is what Paul is saying here. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh. So he's saying the physical life in which I now live, I live because, here's the thing, is when you, be, when you, when you uh, give your life to Christ and He comes and He dwells inside you, you don't just kind of check out and just kind of float around and, oh, everything's going to be great. No, you still have to endure the physicalness of this fallen world, right? And everything that comes with it. All the pain, all the suffering, all the heartache, all this stuff that is real. Paul is saying, saying here it's, you know, I, that I've been crucified. It's like no longer the I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know have heard that. I'm going to fear no evil because you are with me. He's able to, to say that, that, that no matter what goes on, and Paul faces some hard times. He, he understands that the, the, the life in which he lives has to be lived by faith. And the faith in which he has is faith that he can die to himself and trust God to do what it is that God said he would do. Because he says, look again, in the life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, this is the statement that I want to make. You ready? Understanding everything that I, that I already said. Understanding 
that it's by justification, by faith alone in Jesus Christ. There is no other way in which we can attain a righteous standing before God outside of faith in Jesus Christ. Understanding that, that um, we are called to be witnesses for Him, right? The statement that I want to make that I, that I see here in this text. And when I say this statement, let me explain it. All right, we ready? Some of you are going to be like, it's not a big deal. It, it's not, because I think that you'll get it. Quit trying to live like Jesus. You, brother, sister, quit trying to live like Jesus. Wait a second, I've, I've been told my whole life in the church we're supposed to be like Jesus. No, 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 I didn't say not to be like Jesus. I'm not saying that at all. I am telling you, quit bearing the burden of trying to live like Jesus. You are not Jesus. This is what Paul is telling Peter here. Quit trying to live like Jesus. You're not Him. Instead, by the same power of the Holy Spirit that justifies through faith in Christ is, is the same power of the Holy Spirit that is another big word that mortifies that we are able to put to death that which is earthly in us. So mortification is by faith alone as well. And what, what here, some of you are like, I don't understand yet. I, I'm getting there. If we quit trying to be like Jesus because we're not Him, how about focusing on letting Jesus live through you so your life does reflect Jesus? This is what Paul is saying here. He says, I have been what? Crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but the life in which I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I, this does not take our responsibility out of the equation. It shifts our responsibility from this burden that we cannot bear of trying to be like Jesus to a burden of, I am called to put to death sin in my life. And when I put to death sin in my life, Jesus will work through me. Do, do you see that? For me, that's like when I was reading it, to be 100% honest with you, I was in the shower when this kind of hit me. It's always in the shower when you're standing there naked. It's like you're standing there naked before God, and He says, This is what I want you to do. Everybody's going to go, I'm going to go home and get in the shower. <laughs> hey, Pastor, I've been here for like four hours. I'm getting cold. I haven't heard it. No, it's not that. Understand, though, what Paul is saying here. Is he saying what we have a tendency to do as we focus? And, and I'm not going to say this is a wrong. It's just a misdirected focus. We focus so much on I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. And the Bible says, be imitators of God as children. And yes, we are to be imitators. But the power to do that and the understanding about which that that comes about is understanding that you can't act like Jesus and act a fool at the same time. Right? I put it lightly. You can't hold on to the sin in your life and live like Jesus. You can, and that's what we try to do so much. And I think that that's our, our struggle is that we really do want to please God. We really do want to live for Jesus. So we think that if we add Jesus things to our life, then then, oh, okay, I'm living for Jesus. We're not able to do that. That is not, that's not the formula. The formula is die to yourself and trust God to work through you. That's it. Well, wait a second, that's just too easy. No, it's not. Have you ever tried to do that? Everybody has something that they're dealing with right now. 
a sin in your life you're dealing with right now. Think about this. You're trying to deal with that sin and you're trying to be a godly man or a godly woman. You want to to, to do what is pleasing to God. You want to be seen more like Christ, but you're holding on to this. I, I read by this guy somewhere, he says that you can't serve two masters. You can't, you can't hold on to the flesh and hold on to Jesus and expect God to do amazing things through you. No, we have to be able to say, you know what? I need to quit trying to be like Jesus. How about we let Jesus be Jesus and let Jesus be Jesus through us? So, so it, the outcome is still the same, right? The outcome is Christ-likeness. But instead of us trying to, and this is where the whole legalism thing comes in. Remember, legalism is trying to do things under your own, or by your own rules, under your own power. No one in here would want to, or would probably say, I'm trying to be like Jesus, and I'm really, you know, wrestling at doing this, and I'm doing it under my own power. But the truth is, you are. Because if we're trying to be like Jesus, and we're doing it under our own power, that means that, that it's not Him that's manifesting Himself. It gets, we're, we're, we're legalists just like the, the, the rest of them. What he says to us, die. Die to sin. Turn to, to Romans chapter 6 real quick. And we'll, we'll circle this plane and we'll land it. Because in Romans chapter 6, let, let, let's just look at, um, we'll start in verse 6 here. Paul, again, writing to a church that has some controversy, some turmoil going on, he says this. They're, they're, they're dealing with the same thing. There's division between Jews and Gentiles here. He says, we know that our old self was crucified with Him. Who's Him? Jesus, right? We know that our old self was crucified with Jesus in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we no longer, or we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has, I'm sorry, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. For I've been crucified with Christ. That's the, that, that's that, that, the, 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 the main point here. The main focus here is I have to understand one that my sin has been paid for. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. So Wait a second, I still have things in my life that I'm dealing with, understood. But remember a few weeks ago we talked about that you have the power over the sin. Because it's the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the same power that resides inside of us. So the same power that, that God has given to us by His grace, by His love, by His mercy, the same power, the Holy Spirit, that convicts our hearts and, and gives us faith, for by grace you have been saved through faith, that's what He... What, 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 Kurt read earlier, this faith that has been given to us by God, by His grace, understand that that is by the work of the Holy Spirit, and the same Holy Spirit that justifies 
The same Holy Spirit that, that, that uh, gives you the power and the strength to, to mortify the flesh, to die to those, those fleshly desires. Therefore, uh, what does he say? Therefore, put to, death that, or put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, is what Paul says in Colossians. Our responsibility. And this is a huge, a huge act of faith because too often it's easy to look at if I can just be like this, if I can do this faith thing, if I can just read my Bible, if I can just pray, if I can just do, if I can just do that, then God's gonna be, I'm going to be a good, faithful servant. Is that any of those things wrong? No. But what we do is we focus on, I'm going to try to be like Jesus and, and I'm going to do all these things, but... The, the fact of the matter is you're taking it under your own power, your own strength, your own rules. When Jesus tells us through His Word, through His messenger here, He says, die to yourself. Die to yourself. And when you die to yourself, have faith that I'm going to work through you. The, one of the biggest steps of faith, especially for control freaks, kind of like, like I used to be. It wasn't until I, it was that, that moment that I said, okay, I'm going to die. And it scares the bejeebers out of me because I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not saying physically, I'm saying spiritually. I'm going to die. I'm going to die to my flesh and I'm going to trust God for you to work through me. When we, when we take that step, when we look at, at the, the Christian life as the life, as the, uh, the, the great reformer Martin Luther said, is a Christian life is a life of repentance to repent of sin, to, get, to turn our mind away from sin and turn our mind towards God, to put to death that which is sinful in your life. When we do that, it's not as if we get more of Jesus inside of us. Because we've got all the Jesus that we need. He just doesn't have all of us that He needs. So when we put to death, when, when Paul is talking to, to Peter here and he, he's saying, I've been crucified and the life I live now is not, not me living, it's Christ living. He's like, I am surrendering my life to our Savior that, that gave His life for me. Why did He do it? Because He loves me. That's what it says, right? Turn back to Galatians real quick and we're done. Verse 25, or 21, I'm sorry. Paul goes on to say, after he makes this statement, after he says that it's, it's Christ that's going to live and Christ who's going to manifest himself through me when I die to myself, he says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. I love this. This is another quote in which I got from David Platt. He said this, The Christian life is not so much about you and I living for Christ as it is trusting Christ to live for us and through us and in us. And that's, that's my big statement. Is like We put so much weight in trying to live a life that is for Jesus and what we need to do is die to ourselves and let Jesus live through us because He lived the life that we need to live. And only He can live that life. And it's by submitting to Him that we're going to... Uh, you talk about living free under the gospel of grace. This is where freedom comes from. 
Understand that you don't have to bear the load of trying to be like Jesus. You have to bear the load of just dying to the sin that's in your life and trusting God to do what it is that He said He was going to do. He says that I'm going to bring to completion that which I started. If He started a good work in you, if the Holy Spirit is inside of you, He's going to see that to completion. The question is, are you going to trust Him to do that? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, um, Lord, I thank You for this time. Uh, Lord, um, God, my prayer is that, that as we talked about justification, as we talked about mortification, as we talked about faith and the, the, the importance in both, um, that God, we can see that, that, that our faith in You is paramount. That we cannot just attach our faith in You to our lives, but our faith in You has to be our lives. So God, let us let every single one of us in here identify things in our life that we do need to die to so that You can live through us. And God, give us, give us the, 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 the strength and the courage to step out in faith and to live by faith. Paul says elsewhere that we don't live by sight, but we live by faith. God, let us be a people who lives by faith, not just a, a blind wandering around aimlessly, but a, a faith that says, I'm going to take action, I'm going to die to myself so that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, can be manifest through me in my life. Let us do this. God, let, give us the, the power and the strength. And, and give us the, the, the understanding or, or, or um, the confidence to, that we need to, to say, yes, I know we can do this. I can do this. And God, as the, as the enemy attacks us in this, let us remember, as, as Paul was helping Peter remember, let us remember that it, no, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God because He loved me. He gave his, his life for me. Lord Jesus, we thank You for that Spirit. We ask that You just continue to work in us. We pray this in Your name, Jesus. Amen.